Welcome to the Nathan Solomon Show. I'm Nathan Solomon, your 7 o'clock host here on WSBU The Buzz 88.3 St. Bonaventure. I hope everybody's having a good Wednesday. Um, I certainly am. It's, a, it's another great evening up here in the Riley Center. Um, so uh, without further ado, let's get into everything. There's a lot to talk about this week. So we've got some MLB action. Uh, World Series is underway. Uh, Rays and Astros, they've played one game so far, Dodgers win that one. They're going to be talking about some of the most desirable NBA free agents this offseason. Although we don't know the NBA free agency dates yet, there are some big names that could, uh, that could, that could use a new home. Um, then after that we'll be talking about the NFL, Giants, Jets, Bills. Uh, the Giants, or the Jets and the Bills rather, they have a big matchup this weekend down near New York City. Um, Jets are winless. Bills are looking to get back on track. We'll be talking about the PGA Tour. Big Cat, Tiger Woods, he's back in action this week. Um, and finally, NASCAR. We got some big news in NASCAR. Silly season. Uh, Joey Logano wins Kansas, clinches his ticket to Phoenix. So we got a lot to talk about, so let's get right at it. So, uh, MLB action. Uh, Rays, Astros, World Series. Before we talk about World Series Game 1, let's talk about how we got here. So, the Rays, they survived a massive, massive scare from the Astros. The Astros were down 3-0 three, three in the series to the Rays. 3-3 three, three games, so they were facing elimination. Then the Astros come out, they win three straight games. They even the series up at 3, and all of a sudden there's a Game 7. Um... Had the Astros pulled off the series, it had been only the, f- the second time in baseball history that we've seen a comeback from down 3-0. That was, of course, when the Red Sox did it to the Yankees in 2004. But, you know, it was not, not really a high-scoring uh, scoring series at all. So, just kind of recap the series here quick. Rays win game 1, 2-1. Blake Snell gets the victory over Frambler Valdez. Both pitched really well. Game 2, Rays 4-2. Morton gets the win. Lance McCullers gets the loss. Uh, Rays win game three, five to two. Yarbrough gets the win. Jose Urquidy gets the loss. And then the tide really shifts. So then the, the Astros win the next two games by a score of four to three, thanks to winning efforts from Zach Granke and Ryan Presley. Uh, game six saw the Astros take a or, or win by seven to four, with Valdez redeeming himself, picking up a victory over Blake Snell again. And then we had a game seven. So game seven was certainly not uh, we we were certainly not expecting to see a game seven, but we did see a game seven. Uh, Rays would beat or win that one four to two. Um, seven hits for the Astros, six hits for the Rays. Uh, for, you know for the Astros, Jose Altuve two hits. He was huge all series. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, two hits from G-Man Choi. Uh, the the goat G Man Choi and of course Randy Rosarena was was big in that game two RBIs. So now looking at a ser- at the series as a whole, um, Rosarena was a series MVP uh, with a .321 batting average, nine hits and 28 at bats, six RBIs, four home runs. So he hit some bombs that series. Continued his heroics from the Yankee series. Um, for for the Astros. They they were they had some big contributions, uh, especially from Jose Altuve and Michael Brantley. 
Altuve, 462 in, in, in 26 at-bats, 12 for 26, three home runs, five RBIs, six walks as well for Altuve. Then Brantley, nine hits, 26 at-bats, 346 clip, uh, 452 on base, 462 slugging. So, I mean, they were great. It's it, for Yankee for Yankee fan like I am. It's definitely disappointing to see them do, see especially Altuve do well. Brantley, we can't really hold anything against Brantley. Brantley didn't really ever do anything wrong. But Altuve, man, he he hits. He hits when 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 there's big spots. Like it's, I mean, he he struggled during the regular season. He bat two nineteen in the regular season, forty two hits, five home runs, eighteen RBIs. Um, but and he just he he dominated that series. But fortunately for Yankees fans, the Astros lost that series. The Rays advanced to the World Series to play the Dodgers, who who pulled off some heroics of their own. They were down three one to the Braves. They came back and they won. So quick series overview there. Um, Braves won game one, five to one. Will Smith with the win. Braves win game two, eight seven. Game three, all all Los Angeles, fifteen to three. Kyle Wright, the rookie, gets roughed up for the Braves. Game four, Braves win ten to two. They get right back at him. Um, beat up on Kershaw a little bit. Really, his only bad outing of the postseason. Then Dodgers win game five, seven to three. Trying it with a with a win. Um, Game six, Dodgers win three one. Walker Bueller with a gem. In game seven, Dodgers win four to three, a, a close one. And and, and that and with something that's been great about the 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 world's or the postseason really as a whole, I guess. Even though ratings are down a little bit for the MLB, you know, a lot going on, election season, um, football some nights, but. The the MLB postseason is beating the NBA bubble in the ratings, which is saying something about baseball. Um, Rob Manfred's certainly trying to hurt baseball, but that's a whole other topic that I think we'll save for next week's baseball segment. But for the Dodgers, I mean, Enrique Hernandez, Corey Seager, Jock Peterson, huge series, Max Muncy, Max Muncy, four fifty or. 227 average, 452 on base. That is huge. Nine walks for Muncie. Um, Peterson bat 389. Corey Seager bat 310. Each driving in a lot of runs. Seager drove in 11 runs that series, which is pretty incredible. Mookie bats uh, 269 for this series. OPS was a little low, 695. But hey, he got on base. He scored some runs. Drew walks. That's all they can really ask for him. Um, he he was great. He was great in the field. He robbed two home runs in the series, so he he was definitely worth every uh, every bit of what the uh, what the Dodgers gave up for him. Uh, Red Sox are looking a little little dumb for that for that trade, with especially how bad they were. But the Dodgers will certainly take it as that that paved their way to their second World Series um, appearance. In four years, I guess it is. But the Braves, I mean, they went down. They went down swinging. Freddie Freeman, wow, he had a series. I mean, three sixty batting average, two home runs, three doubles, six runs, three walks. He he's showing why he's their best player. Ozzy Albie is a good series. 
333 average, 9 of 27, two home runs, four RBIs, two walks. Their biggest disappointment, Ronald Acuna. He he only bat 167 on the series. Did draw five walks, so that, that is a good thing. But he just didn't quite get as many hits as they needed him to get. And and that definitely hurt him. But they had a lot of contributions. You know, Car- Charlie Carberson had a couple big hits off the bench. Travis Darnode, you know, struggled a little bit on offense. But he, you know what he can give you behind the plate. Marcelo Zuna was good. 276 average, 323 on base, 552 slugging. Dansby Swanson was not bad. Two, 269 average, 26 at-bats. So... They they definitely had some contribu- some big contributions, but but Acuna struggling in that series definitely hurt the Braves a lot. Obviously, their pitching hurt them some days as well, but but the, overall they played pretty well and and definitely don't expect the Braves to be going away anytime soon. This team's too good. I mean, they're you're gonna see them in the NL and the NLCS a lot over the next few years. So we're gonna take a quick break. After the break, we're gonna take a look at. World Series Game 1 and previewing the rest of the World Series before getting into some NBA action. You're listening to The Nathan Solomon Show on WSBU The Buzz, St. Bonaventure. Hello, victims of the American education system. You're listening to 88.3 FM The Buzz. This is Parquet Courts coming at ya. So, welcome back to The Buzz. I'm your host, Nathan Solomon, if you are just tuning in. So, we've got still a lot to talk about. So, the World Series. Um, Dodgers win game one. Thanks to Clayton Kershaw, he pitched a gem today. Or yesterday, rather. My apologies. Six innings, one earned run, eight strikeouts, one walk. All you could really ask for out of a guy like Kershaw. Um... 78 pitches, so he, he's in good shape for, to pitch again in the, in the rest of the series. Getting the loss for the Rays, though, Tyler Glass now. He was not great. He was good early, imploded late. The he His final line, four to third innings, three hits, six runs, six walks. So, a little bit wild. 112 pitches in less than five innings. That's a big number. Obviously, that attributes to a lot of the walks and also with the fact that he had eight strikeouts. Cody Bellinger, two-run home run in the fourth inning. Um, and then they put up a five-spot in the fifth. And then they added a couple more in the sixth with a, with a Betts home run, a Muncie double. So Dodgers play really well. They get a much-needed game one win. Obviously, you know, as, as it showed with some of the other series, um, a winning game one doesn't mean everything. Um, so there's there's definitely time for them to come back. There's definitely time for a lot to happen. But, I mean, you know, Betts had a big night. Again, two hits. Muncie with two hits. Um, Will Smith with a hit in an RBI. Bellinger with a hit and, or a home run and two, two runs batted in to, to kick off all the scoring action. So definitely a good start for the Dodgers. Again, doesn't doesn't necessarily mean much because, I mean, th- this postseason's been wild. This year's been wild. So there's just so many different things can happen. Um, game two, though. Let's, let's take a quick look at, at game two in the rest of the World Series. Tony Gonsolin will be going against Blake Snell. 
and in game two it will be first pitch 808 just like the rest of the series will be every first pitch of the game will be eight o'clock on fox with john smoltz joe buck on the call Game three for the Dodgers will be Walker Bueller. We're not sure about what the Rays will do yet. Here's the big catch that will be a lot different from, from the rest of the postseason because this is the only series and that, that we're going to see actual off days in between. So wild card series, uh, division series, championship series, there, there weren't any off days in between games. We just had all the games in consecutive days. So with the fact that there's now off days in between each games, I mean, that has massive impacts. So now it allows, it allows managers to have shorter leashes on their starters, well, really all of their pitchers, but, but specifically their starters. And it'll, it'll be, it allows for, for them to only have to use four starters because by game five, your game one starter will be on full rest. And then C, your, your bullpen guys will have a day to recover. So, you know, instead of seeing some of your bullpen guys only pitch two, three games in, in you know, a seven-game series like maybe we'd see in the ALCS, now you can actually see them pitch five, six days of a series because they'll have that day in between to rest. So, you know, that, that's what we saw in, in, in traditional series in a non-COVID area where every single game you see your high-leverage relievers. You never really see your low-leverage relievers. So... We, we saw that. We've been seeing that all postseason now. Now it's just kind of back to normal normal postseason managing, but we'll see We'll see what happens. I think it's gonna it's definitely going to have the impact to be a good series. Definitely don't expect the Rays to go down easy. Both teams are hungry. Rays have never won a World Series. Dodgers haven't won a World Series since 1988. They've obviously had their fair share of playoff struggles of late. Or postseason struggles of late, especially in this last this last decade between 2010 and 2020, they've they've had some pretty crappy luck in the postseason, not really been able to advance as much. Um, a, a World Series win though for the Dodgers will definitely kind of, I guess, seal Dave Rogers' legacy as a as a Dodgers manager. He's known to be one of the best in season managers in Dodger history, but they've obviously he's been criticized a lot for for early exits in the postseason. So. They can finally get him that World Series ring, COVID, COVID season or not. A World Series is a World Series. That's a big deal for that organization. That's a big deal for Dave Roberts. So we're going to take another quick break, and then where after we are going to be talking about some of the most desirable NBA free agents now that the NBA Finals and the NBA bubble has concluded. So stay with us here on WSBU The Bus, St. Bonaventure. I'm Nathan Salmon. Hi, uh, my name is Kyle Nelson. Hi, I'm Jeff Wilson for the 49ers. I'm Nick Bowens, and you're listening to The Buzz. 88.3 The Buzz. So, it's almost free agent time in the NBA. Here's the catch, though. We're not really sure when free agency will be. They had a date set for... Mid October, which would have been about a week after the after the bubble concluded, after the NBA Finals concluded, but with that three four day shutdown because of all the protests and everything, in what was that early September? I think it was late late or late August. Things kind of got shifted a little bit. They realized that, and then they realized that the postseason would be too condensed to start with. 
or the off season would be too condensed to start with. So they decided to push it back, but there's not really an official start date to free agency. There is not a ton of big name players that are gonna, that are out on the market. I mean, not really a ton of guys that or really any guys that you're probably going to see get a max contract. But there are definitely some names out there that that'll that'll will definitely make an impact on a team. So let's go over some of them. Um, obviously, the 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 favorite free agent, the most popular free agent, the most wanted free agent, Anthony Davis. But the the thing is, he's not real. He, the likelihood of him leaving LA is is so low. They're they're willing to go all in on him. They're willing to give him a max contract. They're willing to do everything they can to keep him in LA, and he wants to be in LA. He he won the world or the um the NBA Finals there. He he played really well. He meshes well with LeBron. He meshes well with with the coaching staff. He meshes well with with all the role players. He just fits really well in Los Angeles. He can handle the pressure. He can handle the the spotlight of being in a big city like Los Angeles. So. More than likely, Los Angeles is going to be Anthony Davis's home for a very long time. Crazier things have happened. Is it certainly possible that Anthony Davis could could get swooped up by somebody else? Sure. Is he maybe just all in for the money? It's possible. But I mean, if, if the Lakers don't give him the, the biggest deal, maybe he doesn't go back to Los Angeles. But I kind of think that they're gonna. That they're just gonna outbid everybody. They're gonna give him basically what he wants. Give him virtually a blank check. So this year, it's 62 regular season games, 26 points, nine rebounds, three assists, over 50% from the field, 33% from downtown, 85% free throw shooter. Incredibly efficient. I mean, 27-4 player efficiency rating. That's that you can't be much more efficient than that. So he takes care of the ball. I mean. He's again the most desirable free agent for a reason, but the likelihood of him leaving LA is is very low. So, some of the other free agents though that we could see that 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 could definitely make a big impact on teams starts with like with guys like Paul Millsap. Now, now Millsap is he getting a little bit old, older? Absolutely, he's thirty five years old. Going to be thirty six by the time the season starts. But he, his experience and, and what he brings to a team is unparalleled. Um, you know, he this season, 51 games, 12 points, 6 rebounds, almost 2 assists, still shot 48% from the field. Not bad. He's not, he's not the starter. He's not the star he used to be. But he can still provide valuable minutes off the bench. And he's definitely a guy that teams are going to want on their roster because... He can still he can do so much. He can he can help develop young guys and and help and just help mentor a team, even if he's not even if he's only playing twenty minutes a game. You saw that in in, in Miami this year. I mean Andre guys like Andre Iguodala. You know, he didn't he, he's not the star he used to be. He didn't have the most minutes in the world this year. But but he, but he made an impact. He with his veteranship if that's really a word, he 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 led that team, even if it wasn't always shown in the stat books. So Millsap, he's definitely a desirable free agent. 
Um, oh, you know, I mean, a 54% effective field goal percentage. He, he, he they, they want him. Team, teams are going to want him. So, you know, 3.5 win shares this season, um, which is basically the identical to MLB war for, for those that are new. So he does a lot for the team. That, that's to say. Danilio Gallinari, excuse me. Teams want him. He he's getting older as well. 30, 32. Just turned 32. The Italian born sharpshooter. Been in the league for a long time. It's kind of crazy to think. So, I mean, some of these guys you think are like 35, 36, 37 years old. Just because of when they made their de- debut and they're 32. Wow. So, Gallinari, this year, 62 games, 19 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 44% from 2. Or for overall, well, that's not really what teams are going to look at in terms of wanting to sign him. They're looking at that three-point field goal percentage, and that's almost 41%. And also 89% for the free throw line. But he's they, they want him. Like Teams want him. Teams want him to come in, make shots. He can play a little bit of defense, too. I mean, he's not the fastest player in the world, but he can play some defense. So, he can again, he can do a lot for the team, 3 and D. He's not definitely not a guy that they want on, on the interior, even though he's technically a forward. But he's definitely going to make an impact on a basketball team. So he's and he's definitely one of the most desirable free agents, especially with not a ton of uh, ton of max deals or any max deals besides Anthony Davis coming this off season. Goran Dragic, we talked about him in previous shows, about his impact he had for the Heat. So fifty nine games this year, sixteen point two points per game. Three rebounds, five assists. You know, shooting percentage definitely a little bit lower than he wants it to be. Forty-four percent overall, thirty-seven from three. Um, but again, he does a lot. He he plays defense, good perimeter defense. He passes the ball, he moves the ball, he provides that veteran experience like some of those other guys, like Millsap, like Gallinari for that matter. He does a lot, man. I mean, three point five win shares this year. His experience is is unparalleled. He's been in the league for a long time. 2008 as well, just like Millsap. 34 years old from Slovenia. So, I mean, he's starting to slow down a little bit. But he's still got a couple good years left in the tank. I mean, we sh- he showed how good he can be with Miami this postseason. He, had, he hit some big shots. Unfortunately, his injury definitely hurt the heat in the finals. But, but I mean... He's good, man. He's teams want him. Teams really do. And then obviously, maybe one of the biggest names, if not the biggest name outside of Anthony Davis, is Fred Van Vliet. So, nearly eighteen points a game this year, four rebounds, seven assists. Um, he shoots the ball well from outside, thirty nine percent from three. Struggles inside, only shoots you know forty one percent overall. Uh, 5.8 win shares this year, so he, again, I, I know I'm saying it a lot, but he does a lot for the team. He's he's young, he's got a lot of years left in the tank, his shooting's just improving every single year. He won a championship. Um, rumors say maybe he goes to the New York Knicks. As a New York Knicks fan myself, I love that. Do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not, because the Knicks can't land a free agent to save their life. 
if Julius Randle is is the best free agent that they've landed in in, in test in in the last ten years, and they boast about it, I mean that's that's saying something. I'd certainly love the Knicks to land Anthony Davis, but again, that's not going to happen either. But Van Vliet, he he's definitely going to make an impact on the team. He's going to start. I mean. He he's young. I mean, he's only been in the league for a few years. It's 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 still a little early to tell if you can if if you want to say that if he can if you can really build a franchise around him. But if not, he's definitely going to be a starter. He's going to give you 35 40 minutes and he's going to play hard that entire time. And what are the other big names talking about? Brandon Ingram, probably actually a bigger name than um than any of these guys. 24 points per game this year, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. 46% from the floor, 39 from three, 85 from the free throw line, five win shares. So he's kind of developed, into, or he did develop into one of the stars in the Pelicans. Um, I think the, Pelican, the Pelicans really need him to come back. I think that you have a really good young core with some of your, well, some of your role players and then building around Ingr- Brandon Ingram and then Zion Williamson. Got a new, you got a new coach, Stan Van Gundy. Just signed today, coming back from um, coaching retirement, leaving leaving the TNT set back for the clipboard and the bench. But yeah, they, they need him to go. They need to. They need him to come back. He's a potential star. Him and Zion are going to do. Could be uh, an incredible duo down the line. I mean, that that's a duo you could see averaging fifty five, like fifty five points per game and fifteen rebounds per game. Um, all they really need is just a star guard. Obviously, the the Pelicans have Lonzo, but he's I don't he's not really gonna be that starry. I think he's gonna be just an average starter, average role player. But if the Pelicans want to have long term success, they need to they need to re-sign Brandon Brandon Ingram. Zion can't do it do it all, even though it may may seem like he can. But Ingram he he's one of the best young talents in the league, and he has. He has a pretty, pretty, pretty tall ceiling, pretty high ceiling. So, we are going to take a break, and when we come back from this break, we're going to dive into some NFL football action: Giants, Jets, and Bills, all playing this past week. Uh, Giants winning their first game of the season, while the Jets remain winless, and the Bills drop their second game in a row. Stay with us on WSBU The Buzz. St. Bonaventure, I'm Nathan Solomon. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. You know what they call a, a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? They call it uh, a Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. What do they call a Big Mac? Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it Le Big Mac. A Le Big Mac. <laughs> Welcome back to WSB The Buzz, 88.3 St. Bonaventure, broadcasting to you live from atop the Riley Center, where hopefully 
in about a month or so, we can see some live St. Bonaventure basketball. Whether it's in person, on TV, hopefully we can see the Bonnies in action this year. Going to be a great team. No seniors. Well, it's a bunch of talented juniors. Next two years are going to be fun for Bonnies basketball fans. Now, it's time to get into some NFL action. Like I said right before the break, if you're just joining us, I'm Nathan Solomon. We are going to be talking about the Giants, the Jets, and the Bills. So, the Giants. How about them Giants? Finally winning their first game of the season with a 2019 victory over the Washington football team, who just said today they might remain the Washington football team for another season, which is kind of interesting. But Giants win in a kind of a low, you know kind of a low scoring game. Uh, Washington Daniel Jones or sorry, for for the Giants Daniel Jones 12 of 19, 112 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Eh, not great. Um. Just looking at this, actually, um, believe, believe it or not, Josh Allen was actually better than Jones this week. But which which isn't saying much because they both played pretty badly. But uh, Devonta Freeman, eighteen carries, sixty one yards. Um, the thing with New York is they didn't have a re- they'd have a receiver with more than three receptions. I mean, not that Jones threw for a lot of yards anyway. But you know, kind of my point. Um, with Washington, though, Kyle Allen had a really good game. 31 of 42, 280 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Three sacks for 29 yards and a 97-3 passer rating. Didn't really have much of a ground game, though. Well, 86 yards, uh, two, two guys, J.D. McKissick for 41 yards, Antonio Gibson for 30 on eight and nine carries, respectively. Receiving, though, Terry McLaurin had a good game. Seven receptions, 74 yards. Dontrell Inman, 5 for 45. J.D. McKissick, 6 for 43. Logan Thomas, 3 for 42. But the Giants pull one out. Uh, So Washington scored with only a few seconds left in the ballgame. 36 seconds left. Cam Sims caught a 22-yard touchdown pass from Kyle Allen. Ron Rivera, he went for it. Wanted to go for two in the win. They did not get it, and the Giants were able to escape. I mean, did they get lucky? Yeah. Did Washington outplay them? Yeah, but guess what? A win's a win. The Giants are on the board. But I'm still a little bit concerned about Daniel Jones. Jones is, he's not really playing well at all this year. I mean, 112 yards is definitely a good representation of that. He only had a 75 passer rating on the day. But through through six games, he only has 12, um, 1,200 passing yards, so he's only averaging 200 yards a game, which is definitely low. Only three touchdowns, a lot of picks, six picks, a three to six, or a one to two, not really. Touchdown ratio is, is, is unacceptable. For any quarterback, so he's got some soft in a sophomore slump, and if the Giants want to make a run here, they, they need him to be better. There, there's no other way to put it. You can't go to Colt McCoy. Obviously, Eli's done. He's not here anymore. But in the ground game, though, Devonta Freeman, he's been basically as good as as, as they could have asked for him. Had like 61 yards 
on Sunday. And uh, in, in four games, though, he's he's been pretty good. He's had 164 total yards, 3.2 yards per rush, and a touchdown. And I, I, I count that to be as, as pretty good for what the Giants have. Because when you really think about it, the Giants don't have to... Well, the, they don't have a line. They don't have any line. Their line might be worse than the Jets, and that's saying something. They have no run block. They have no pass block. That's a, Is that a lot of the reason why, or at least some of the reason why Daniel Jones is struggling? Absolutely. But but they still need to try to make him create and, and, and try to run and just try to, to do everything he can, whether it's just quick little screen passes, shotgun, shotgun slant routes, like... You gotta have something like where you you pass the ball. You can't you can't win games with only 12, 12 completed passes and only nineteen attempts. I mean, they got lucky though. Redskins did outplay them, but the Giants they have a chance to turn it around here. They got that win in the book, and they have some very winnable games coming up. They've got Philadelphia. Which is which? We're playing tomorrow for some Thursday night football on Fox NFL Network. Then they've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's you know that's going to be a tough game. But then they get two more divisional games against Washington and Philadelphia again. And all of those divisional games are are very winnable games because the NFC East is awful, as we all know. Giants, they're one in five. And they're one game back of Dallas, who leads the division at two and four, while having a historically bad defense. Their defense has one of like I think I saw get, has given up the most like the most points, like the fifth most points in history through the first six games or something. Yet they're still when they still lead their division, which is which is sad. And Philadelphia, they're one four and one, so a New York win over Philadelphia definitely gets them into second place. But obviously, there's only going to be one one playoff team out of the NFC East, and it, it's not over for the Giants. They have a good they have a good enough defense to make it to the playoffs. It's just whether they're going to get enough blocking, whether they're going to get enough production out of Daniel Jones. So now shifting to the other other side of MetLife, got the good old Jets. The Jets, oh oh oh, the Jets. How I love them so much. A Jets fan here myself. Shut up by the Dolphins, 24-0. Donald's second game hurt. Joe Flacco, 21 for 44, 186 yards, a pick. Oh, and a whopping, um, and a, a whopping 11, one, or excuse me, whopping 50 QB rating. Frank Gore, 11 rushes for 46 yards. Whoopee. I mean, you, then you look at some, you know, receiving. Brashad Perryman, 62 yards, four catches. Jameson Crowder, 48 yards, seven catches. Again, not great. Miami, though, they played well. Fitzpatrick, 18 for 27, three touchdowns, 191 yards. Tua comes in, completes two passes, and all of a sudden is now the starter down in Miami, which I did not see that one coming. Uh, Miles Gaskin, 18 carries, 91 yards. And then for Miami receiving, uh, Adam Shaheen, Preston Williams, Durham Smith, all catch touchdowns. So there, there's no other way to put it. The Jets are awful. 
They are they are really bad at football right now, guys. Flacco clearly struggled. Um, and with how bad they played, it's kind of sad to say that this was the best their defense was all year. It really was. 24 points, least amount of points they gave up all year. Second half, only gave up three points. Was Miami probably trying 100%? Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure they weren't. But... Still, I guess that's something they can try to build on, only giving up three points in the second half, despite the fact that they didn't score any. Um, and I, I just have to say this again. Why on God's green earth is Adam Gase still the coach? We see how awful he is. He, it doesn't matter who's in. I, I understand they don't have a strong team, but they can't get anything going on offense. Nothing. Donald's clearly a better option than, than Flacco is. But even when, when Darnold's in, he's still, like, Darnold's a good quarterback. That's the thing. I mean, would I rather have Trevor Lawrence over Darnold? Yes. But Darnold's not a bad quarterback. But Gates just ruined Darnold. That's the thing. So with, I think probably with a new coach, Darnold maybe maximizes his potential and becomes a pretty good quarterback. But what do I know? What do I know? If if the Jets lose week seven, please, just please, fire Adam Gase. I'm so sick of seeing him on the sideline. I'm, I'm sick of all of his BS in his press conferences. It's... Uh, it's so frustrating to see the fact that he's the head coach of that team. And because he's ruined that team so much... The Jets might get the number one overall pick, which is a favorite to be for Tre to land Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence might not even leave college because the Jets are so bad. He might stay another year in college just to not play for the Jets. And Adam Gase, because that team is so bad. That team is such a mess. Fire Adam Gase right now. Make Greg Williams the head coach. Please. I hope that... Jets executives are listening to me, and maybe they'll make my day tomorrow and can Adam Gaze. Is that likely? No. But we can only hope, because the Jets aren't going to win games under Adam Gaze. I can guarantee you that. The Bills. The Bills lost as well. They've lost two in a row now. They lost a rather disappointing game to the Kansas City Chiefs. Josh Allen was rough. 14 of 27, 122 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Did he get, were there a few drops? Yes. Was it wet? Very. But Josh Allen still didn't look great. And 122 passing yards ain't going to win you a game against the Kansas City Chiefs, where you have arguably, actually not even really arguably at this point, unarguably the best quarterback in the NFL in Patrick Mahomes. 21 of 26 225 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, uh, and it's 128-4 QB rating. Bills could not stop the ground game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 26 carries, 161 yards. You can't let that happen, especially against a rookie. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does that. Uh, the game before they're, they're supposed to get one of, the, one of the best running backs in the league in Le'Veon Bell, which, whoopee, the Jets gave up on. Yay! Because 
Adam Gase ruined him too, but I'm sure Andy Reid will turn him back into an elite quarterback, especially now that they have a comparable head coach in a line. But, yeah. Edwards Hilaire with a huge game. Receiving Demarcus Robinson, uh, five receptions, 69 yards. Kelsey, five for 65 and two touchdowns. That's Brian Pringle, two for 46. Tyreek, three for 20. So, Bills got it completely outplayed. And they're 4-2. and two. And they have a big game coming up against the Jets. But, but, but yeah, the, the, the def- their own defense can't... They, they need to get better. Does, obviously, is it better with Matt Milano in the lineup? For, for the Bills? Yes. Is Milano supposed to be back against the Jets? Hopefully. For the Bills. Hopefully. But... Even though the Jets are coming up this week and they're likely to beat the Jets, the the Bills, I don't know, man. The Bills could be in trouble. Like they they've looked back to normal the past couple games, and I, I've told a lot of people this, and I'm gonna say it right here. I I don't see how the Bills win more than four or five more games this year. They've got a lot of tough games coming up. Two games against New England, Seattle. And, and and other other teams that are that are just they're just really really solid football teams. And I think they're better than the Bills. The Bills haven't had a ton. I mean, the the Titans and the and the and the, and the Chiefs were really the first two big tests of the year, and they they've lost them. The Rams they they got off to a good start as well. They're an okay. They're probably just as good as the Bills are. Bills beat them, but. I think the Bills are on pace to probably be 9-7 and and lose in the first round of the playoffs like they always do. But Bills-Jets is this Sunday in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Bills are obviously the huge favorites, and like I said, Milano will be back. Sam Darnold will should be back for the Jets, hopefully, because that team's a lot better with Darnold in it, in the lineup. Um, Denzel Mims, their second-round pick, is also expected to make his debut finally. That'll that um, Bims in the lineup will definitely help their their young receiver core. He can definitely do a little bit more, um, give the team a little bit more, which is definitely a good thing. Get, get, I guess give Sam Darnold another another young target. Hopefully, uh, Adam Gase won't ruin him too because he has a ton of potential. Um, and and the, the I think for the Bills though, this game's just really gonna it's really gonna show where Josh Allen's at. It's going to show if Josh Allen really might be is this elite quarterback or maybe if he's just an average quarterback. If 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 Allen struggles, we'll know that maybe that four-game streak to start the season was a fluke. Maybe he's not an elite quarterback and, and maybe he just played out of his mind for a few games. But we'll see what happens, though. Maybe, maybe Allen does bounce back, throws for 400 yards, and, and it'll be... Enough to kickstart the Bills again, get the get the Bills going back in the right direction, get Allen going back in the right direction. But if he struggles, I um, that just kind of shows where Allen's going to be at this year, and that maybe just those four games are just kind of a kind of a fluke. But what do I know? Some say nothing. But we're going to take a quick break, and after this break, we're going to talk about some of the NASCAR news, such as Joey Logano winning Kansas and advancing to Phoenix. And a couple of silly season updates before capping things off with some PGA Tour action. We'll be right back on 
WSBU The Buzz 88.3 St. Bonaventure. I'm your host, Nathan Solomon. Be right back from atop the Riley Center. You're listening to St. Bonaventure Radio on 88.3 FM, The Buzz. Jeez, huh? Right. Great. The years? Uh-huh. Both of them? Cool. Welcome back to The Buzz. I'm Nathan Solomon, your host of The Nathan Solomon Show. Whether you're tuning in live or tuning in on the podcast, now on Spotify and most other major podcasting sites, we are still in the work in progress of getting it onto iTunes and some of these other ones. But again, work in progress. Thank you for tuning in, no matter how you are listening. So, we're going to wrap the show up today with some NASCAR and PGA action in news. So, Joey Logano wins Kansas to advance to the finale and the championship at Phoenix in about three weeks, I guess it is now. Two and a half weeks. Kevin Harvick, Alex Bowman, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch round up the top five. Um, so, I'll, I'll, well, Harvick, Bowman, Keselowski, they're all still in the, in the, in the playoff hunt. So that kind of helps their hopes a little bit. Right now, the top th- er, with Logano in, the top three is Harvick, Hamlin, Keselowski, Bowman, Truex. Those guys are near. Um, Kurt Busch, though, he won in the round of 12 to, to punch a spot in the round of 8. He blew up at Kansas, so that puts him like minus 74 points, somewhere in that range. So... He virtually needs a win to advance to the championship. Um, so next week we have Texas coming up. And it's, it's another one of those mile-and-a-half cookie cutters everybody talks about. Fortunately, we haven't had as many of those this year. And with next year's schedule, there's going to be more road courses, so we'll see less of those. But it's still kind of unfortunately to see, unfortunate to see back-to-back ovals. I think Kansas is, has better racing than Texas is. But, like, Texas and Charlotte, especially those two, have just gotten to be really, really boring. Like, just boring races. Um, after two laps, after a restart, the field's all strung apart more. And just not, for, not, good, not good racing. You don't really see any, any hard racing. Guys go a lap down after 10 laps. No real incidents. So, I mean, again, it's the round of eight. You want sort of your traditional tracks in it. Uh, and we'll get Martinsville to end, which will, of course, be a great race. But two back-to-back mile-and-a-half is is rough. Um, Now for silly season action, we've got some, some updates in silly season. So... Clint Boyer had announced about two weeks ago now that he was retiring from NASCAR and moving on to the Fox Sports booth for the Cup Series, leaving the 14 open for Stuart Haas Racing. And it was just announced yesterday, or this week rather, that Chase Briscoe will be taking the 14. 
and Stuart Haas Racing. Briscoe, he won once for Stuart Haas last year in the Xfinity Series. He's won nine times this year, and has punched his ticket ticket to the Xfinity Championship also in Phoenix, and he's by far the favorite to win it. Um, Eric Jones is going to the 43, currently occupied by Bubba Wallace. He Wallace is going to a team occupied, well, that will be... Um, made by Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan, presumably a, to uh, a Toyota and number 23, but those details are start still getting worked out. But Jones spent these last three years at Gibbs, won twice in three years, spent a year before that at Furniture Row Racing when they th that year that they, that they uh, fielded two teams. And Kyle Larson, he's been reinstated from NASCAR. He was Fired from Ganassi, lost all the sponsorships, suspended from NASCAR after a racial slur on iRacing during the shutdown. He's completed all of his completed and fulfilled all of his requirements set by NASCAR, and he is now eligible to race for a team in 2021. Rumors have indicated maybe to Hendrick and the 88 car, which is really the only big ride left open for silly season. But on the other hand, maybe Larson has to start with a low-tier team and work his way up because sponsorship could be hard to come from, come by. Hendrick's not going to sign a guy that doesn't have any sponsorship. Chevy apparently has interest in reuniting with him. Ganassi with Chevy, and they, they dumped him after after Larson got fired. But it sounds like maybe they'll be they're interested in a re, in a possible reunion. Now, shifting gears to. The PGA Tour. We've not talked about the PGA Tour yet on the Nathan Solomon Show. But we got kind of a big tournament coming up this week. The Zozo Championship. Where Big Cat, Tiger Woods, he is back in action. And looking to defend his title. He won this event last year. which it was play It's usually played in Japan. But with the pandemic, they're keeping it in the United States. It'll be held in at Sherwood Country Club in Thousand Oaks, California. It's a great track. We've had we've seen events there before. Um, some of the favorites: John Rahm, ten to one favorite; Xander Shoffley, eleven to one; McElroy, Thomas, twelve to one; Tyrell Hatton, Webb Simpson, twenty to one; Tiger, he's thirty-three to one. So he's kind of up there in terms of favorites. But it'll be interesting. Interesting to see how he plays. Obviously, this year he didn't play as much as he normally does with the pandemic and everything. It's been a month since we've seen him at the U.S. Open where he missed the cut. He's fallen back a little bit into the world golf rankings. 28th in the world, was in the top 10. But, I mean, never count out Tiger Woods. Never. Um, The Masters is in the earring, though. A couple weeks here. We've got the Masters at Augusta National. Which is exciting. I definitely missed watching the Masters this spring. It would have been a, kind of a fun distraction with everything that was going on. But unfortunately, you know, it, unfortunately, understandably, it had to get canceled. But it'll be back here in a few few weeks. And we'll get like two Masters in six months, which will be pretty fun. So the field was frozen for, for this Masters um, in from April when the event was originally supposed to take place. So... It'll be the same field that was qualified for April. So if, if players that were not um, not eligible, not qualified until after April, until after the shutdown was over for golf, then they won't be qualified to play until next year's Masters. And Tiger, he had a good quote. 
in his press conference, you know, he was talk, talking about and asked about the distance debate. And because guys were hitting, you know, hitting it further, and courses can't adapt. And, you know, for, from coming from somebody like myself who, who plays a lot of golf, if you don't know me, I work at a golf course. I help maintain a golf course. I'm on the grounds crew, which is a lot of fun for the summer. But definitely an issue with any golf course, really, is, is distance. So Tiger said it's about what we do going forward and how soon they can do it. Uh, or, uh, you're not going to stop the guys who are there right now. Guys are figuring out how to carry the ball 320-plus yards, and it's not just a few of them. And then he said, I just don't see how they can roll everything back. You know, meaning like golf balls, golf courses, golf clubs. I like to be able to see that as far as our game, but then we only then we go back down the road of what if you bifurcate at what level, and I think it's only going to continue. So you know, guys are getting stronger, clubs are getting better, and guys are hitting it further. And these cl- and these courses just can't adapt. I mean, some of these courses that were built and and renovated you know 10 15 years ago to host pga tour events now aren't long enough to to host a pga tour event and and i'm going to use an example here because it's kind of because it's close to where i live enjoy golf course in in binghamton new york endicott new york if we're going to be completely correct here uh currently the host of the dick sporting goods open a pga tour champions event through 2006 that was a pga regular pga tour event and, you know, par 72, you know, four par fives, four par threes, you know, your traditional layout, right? And, and it was a, you know, average length golf course for the PGA at the time. And now when the Champions Tour plays it, every par five is a two-shot hole, basically, for, for almost any guy. If, if, if you hit it straight, if you find the fairway off the tee, it's a two-shot hole. And it's kind of crazy because these, these guys that are over 50 are, are the ones that, are, that are, are getting there in two when guys that were 20, 25, 30 years old in, in the 2000s, they, could, they, could barely, they couldn't reach it in two. So it, it just shows to tell how, how much these courses are expanding. And, and Enjoy, I don't think they're, ever, they're never going to be able to hold a regular PGA Tour event there again. They have no, they have no place to expand. They're right on the Susquehanna River. They have no way to push back tee boxes and stretch out the golf course. Basically, what it's at now is what it's going to have to stay. They can't really add any yards to it. So that's a problem that any any golf course holding professional events has. I mean, even any any course for that matter. I mean, even average golfers are going to start hitting the ball a little bit further with better equipment and, that, and guys that get bigger and stronger. So it's one of the unfortunate things about golf, but that's just kind of how golf's been changing over the last few years. And... And, and that's just gonna, you know, it's gonna be what it's gonna be. The, the the golf balls are meant to go far. The golf clubs are meant to go far. And there's no way to go back, just like Tiger said. So, that is gonna do it for the Nathan Solomon Show. Thank you for sticking around here on this Wednesday evening from Saint Bonaventure University in the Riley Center. I'm Nathan Solomon, and I will see you next week for another hour of fun here on WSBU The Buzz. Good night, everybody. Take care.